Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to WFAN's Baseball Insiders podcast for Thursday, November 18th. I'm Sweeney Murdy, joined by Ed Coleman as we combine for me and Eddie C and get you up to date on everything that's happening with the Mets and the Yankees. Eddie, let's start with the Mets because I think we're finally in decision-making phase uh, to push everything else forward after a number of people you know, took their name out of the equation and a number of people were just not fits for various reasons. The Mets seem to have landed on Billy Epler as their new general manager so they can start moving forward here. Um, what did you make of the process and the eventual hire? Well, the process was certainly a confusing one, to say the least, and I'm sure it was confusing for the Mets and Sandy Alderson and anybody else that was involved, I guess Steve Cohen as well. But uh, I guess you get to the end result, and the end result, I think, is a good one because you've hired a guy who's very familiar with New York, uh, is not going to be afraid of the circumstances that this city can thrust upon uh, a general manager of a baseball team. And I, I think Billy Epler is a very good hire, considering where they were or where they seem to be over the last couple of weeks uh this was a job that nobody really seemed to want because of various circumstances whether it be new york city whether it be steve cohen or whether it be the situation that uh you know you may have kind of an interim job until somebody like a david stearns comes aboard as the president of baseball ops but apparently billy epler and david stearns are pretty good friends anyway so if that comes about uh it'll work out uh, it certainly was a convoluted way to uh, to get to where you wanted to be, and it took way too long and much too long, I think. Uh, and it obviously, I think, hurt the Mets uh, in some way, shape, or form. We can talk about Syndergaard in, in just a little bit, but part of the fact that there was no infrastructure there, you know, I, I think played a played a role in, in that decision as well. Uh, and Billy's got a good reputation throughout the game. Uh, now, there's certainly some holes to poke in things that happened in Anaheim with the Angels. They didn't have a winning record under him. And they had Obviously, they had Mike Trout for a, every one of those years, except for this past year. Uh, Shohei Otani was on board with Turk for a couple of years, then Blossom this year. Uh, so they had some talent, but they missed on a lot of pitching. Uh, they had some big contracts like Albert Pujols swaying them down for periods of time. Uh, and they they had some odd decisions they had to make because of the, the payroll structure there. Um, so it wasn't a success story at Anaheim, but Billy still has a pretty good reputation throughout uh, from his time with the Yankees and from just the people that he's dealt with. Uh, so he's walking in a situation now where there's an imperfect roster in place, but there's obviously some talent on this team and a chance to, to move it forward here pretty quickly when you've already locked up Lindor going forward and you have some decisions to make here. Uh, the first decision you have to make here is with manager, I would think. And there are a number of names already being thrown out. There's possibilities. Yeah, there are. Buck Showalter's name has been uh, front and center, I think, uh, on, a, on a lot of people's ballots. Let's put it that way. Uh, Billy obviously has ties to Buck. Uh, uh, I don't know if Buck has publicly campaigned for it, but I'm sure he'd like to manage again. I think he'd be an excellent choice. Uh, you know, we've seen guys from his era, if you will, 
Dusty Baker, uh, Tony La Russa obviously have success. Uh, there's a lot of thought about new school, old school, you know, with the analytics uh, being so prevalent in today's game. You know, can you have an older manager or a manager that's embedded more more in the old school have success? Well, I think you can. It, you know, it depends how open that you are to it. And I'm sure Buck is. Uh, Buck's pretty open to anything in baseball. He's a very, very sharp mind. Uh, and I'm not just concentrating on him, but there are other guys out there as well but i think buck's name has been you know front and center first and foremost uh so i i believe he'll probably get an interview at some point in time uh, with billy but i i think getting a manager in place obviously will will be a big key the other thing that i i think is keen you hit upon it too sweeney is pitching you know he never got that together in anaheim it was always a problem out there because you know you looked at the angel lineup and you said well that's a pretty good team but you know how far can the pitching carry you well they never did uh it just it never came together Together. And the Mets have a pitching problem right now. Uh, you know, they Jacob DeGrom, who was the anchor of the staff and would be the anchor of a lot of staffs in baseball, you know, is still coming back from injury. Now, uh, I think everyone assumes that he's going to be okay, but keep this in mind as well, too. If things don't exactly pan out here and pan out to his liking, he can opt out after this current season. Um, so there's there's no guarantee that Jacob DeGrom is going to be here beyond. He loves New York. Just like Noah Syndergaard loved New York, yeah. but Noah Syndergaard is now on the other coast, uh, you know, for reasons he kind of explained. And I think maybe self-explanatory, too. But nonetheless, uh, I think that's as big a key for Billy uh, as the manager is to me is to is to get this pitching staff in order and make sure that you have enough guys to to carry through behind Jacob DeGrom, a healthy Jacob DeGrom, to get you through a, a major league season. The Syndergaard decision seemed – there's a lot going into that, and they offered him the qualifying offer. It felt like it was more to be able to get the pick compensation if he did go somewhere else because it didn't feel like they were uh, interested in going much beyond that $18 million, $18.4 million as a qualifying offer. But I, I guess this is – it feels like an unanswerable question, but maybe there's an answer here. If the Mets had even had a manager in place – would this and you knew the manager and the pitching coach yeah. do you think Noah Syndergaard there was room for him to sign a deal with back with the Mets uh, I think it's possible I, I do think that uh, the Angels did a very good job in selling him to him Perry Benassian did a very good job coming meeting him having dinner with him explaining everything they wanted to do uh, they took a gamble but it's probably a gamble worth taking uh, at least in, in their minds anyway uh, but I, I think if things were more in place with the Mets that Syndergaard might still be here keep in mind Syndergaard always said how much he loved New York he was thrilled to get the qualifying offer and you know when you consider a guy who pitched two innings in the last two years all of a sudden getting an 18.4 million dollar payday uh after you know he's been getting paid and i think he made nine million last year while he you know basically pitched the two innings uh that's still some pretty good money uh made he he did always love new york but i think you know, I think if the structure had been a little bit better and maybe somebody touched base with him a little more uh, in the couple of weeks, you know, uh, after the World Series ended and before he decided to go out there, that things might have been a little bit different. Uh, there was a pitching coach in Jeremy Hefner. He was in place, no manager, though. And let's face it, you know, the Mets have a lot of work to do in the uh, in the structure of their organization from uh, from the general manager on down. So I, I do think that that played into it. Uh, a lot and you know Noah's one of those guys uh that's uh you know kind of goes with the wind a little bit he he figured that was the best thing for him at this point in time uh 
gives them a great chance to, to build up, have a great year, and then hit free agency again next year. So I guess the best of luck to them. Syndergaard signed, Justin Verlander signed. He's got himself, a, you know, and he's another guy who's coming off an injury, got himself a pretty good deal. There's still some big-name pitchers out on the board. Max Scherzer is obviously the biggest one, I would think. But, uh, you know, Marcus Stroman's in an interesting position here, too, uh, after having pitched the last uh, year, you know, a couple of years with the Mets here. So where um, where do you see Stroman, and is Scherzer a possibility here? Well, uh, you know, Scherzer has always said that, uh, and, and he kind of rejected the Mets uh, last year at the trading deadline. Uh, I think that was probably more out of loyalty to the Washington Nationals now that he's a, now that he's a Dodger and everything is opened up after uh, the season is over. Does it change his mind? Not sure. I guess money would change his mind. Uh, you know, Max uh, obviously wants to get the best deal he can and is probably not going to uh, – you know, reject any club out of hand. Uh, but at the same time, I, I guess I feel it's still kind of a long shot that he would come to New York. But, you know, listen, uh, if Scherzer wants to uh, go out in style, one of the New York teams, uh, you know, being a member of them, either the Yankees or the Mets, uh, might be a good way to do that. With Stroman, it's interesting. I, uh, I'm i sure Marcus has a figure in mind that he wants. I would not overpay for Marcus Stroman. I think, uh, listen, he was their most consistent pitcher last year. So you have to give him that. Uh, he had an outstanding year in that regard. Uh, I don't think, uh, let's put it this way. I guess I, I wouldn't consider him a difference maker. I think he's a very solid guy that you can put in your rotation. And uh, he will always, you know, do his best to keep himself in shape. I wouldn't go overboard with a contract if you can come to terms on a you know reasonable contract for both sides. Uh, I would sign up Marcus Stroman again, yeah. Uh, but I'm not sure exactly what he's looking for, uh, and I think it may be a bit beyond what I would pay anyway, in my estimation, uh, for Stroman. Eddie, the the timing of these deals is kind of interesting. You know, both Syndergaard and Verlander had qualifying offer. Um, situations with a with a calendar they were dealing dealing with, so that sped up the uh, the process for those two guys. Um, but there's a you know CBA deadline approaching, and clearly there's money being spent. You know Noah Syndergaard 21, Verlander 25, uh, Jose Barrios got signed to a pretty big extension with the with the Blue Jays. Um, there's a lot of money being thrown around, yet in about 12 days or so, everybody's going to be talking about whether or not they can agree on financial aspects of it. It seems kind of silly to be fighting about this when they're th clearly throwing money around at this point, yet here we are in a situation where, you know, it's going to make these next 12 days interesting to see what happens. It puts both sides, I think, uh, in a very bad light if we do have uh, a work stoppage uh, coming on on December the 2nd uh, and probably more so the players because, you know, they everyone talks about, well, look at the money that they're getting at this point in time. There's less focus, I think, on the owners or the teams that are giving the money to these players. But at the same time, I guess maybe the focus is always on the players or the people receiving uh, the money. But, I, yeah, I, I just think it puts uh, both sides in bad light if you get to a point where you have an impasse here after what's happened uh, to maybe not all the bright shining stars. Verlander obviously is, uh, but there are other guys that, uh, you know, you look at Noah Syndergaard, uh, you know, pretty good money. He got a bump from the qualifying offer. You mentioned Barrios, uh, who's a guy not a lot of people knew a heck of a lot about prior to the trading deadline last year, but all of a sudden he signed up for, for seven more years and a lot of money. There's a lot of money being thrown around out there. So I think you're right, Sweeney. It's, uh, I, 
I, I don't know whether it puts more pressure on, you know, getting something done here in the next couple of weeks. Hopefully it does. And there's something positive that comes, but I think it puts both sides in a, in a terrible light. If, uh, if there's any kind of stoppage that comes up in a couple of weeks, it feels like, you know, it's, it's at least, um, you know, acknowledgement about where we are moving forward, even as a country too, because remember when this, when, you know, past baseball season started, um, you're talking about percentage capacity of stadiums. Now, you know, at season ended, everyone was basically back at full capacity. Uh, you have teams who are beginning to sell tickets for next season uh, at the beginning of the year and getting them out in time for holiday sales, uh, which didn't happen last year. So there's, a, you know, I think teams are feeling that we're moving toward a place where there is money to be had again early in the year. And that's a part of what we're doing. I, I guess that's a long way of saying teams are feeling that there is uh, that this country is healthier, both, you know, yep. physically and financially at the start of next season. So that money is there for the taking. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. Uh, it, it's funny because, you know, we've talked about this uh, off and on when we've done shows and it, it's, it's almost, we're talking about money and the financial straits of the game and where everything sits for both sides moving forward and can, you know, both sides be happy. But what we really should be talking about beyond that is how to fix this game and how to make it better and make it more appealing to people who are dropping by the wayside. Let's face it. Let's be honest. You know, I, yeah, I, people are coming back. They do love baseball. They love going to the ballpark and that, are they coming back in record numbers? Well, uh, that remains to be seen. Are they watching in record numbers? I think that remains to be seen as well too. And uh, you know, we always talk about the financial structure of the game and can it be healthy that way, but you know, can the game be healthy by itself and, and, let, that's speeding up the game, getting more action in the game. Those are the things I think the baseball should be addressing more so than anything else. And but you have to get get by the financial structure and set that up for the next few years before you can address that. That's why to me it's it's that important to get this done and make sure it's done here in the next couple of weeks so that you can address some of the issues, uh, you know, like pitch clocks, et cetera, you know, the, all, all the things that have come up over the last couple of years to make this game a better game and a more appealing game to fans. I want to get back to manager for a second, Eddie, and just really more the timing aspect of it. Um, I remember, you know, when the Yankees hired Aaron Boone four years ago, they went through a lengthy process that didn't end until the first week in December. Uh, mm-hmm. So they took a long time to get through this. I remember it was the first week in December because I was in the city doing, uh, you know, visiting Santa at Macy's when all this stuff uh, <laughs> broke. So um, it's it's not unusual to have uh, have it. It's not crippling to have it happen, you know, deep into this, uh, into the off season, uh, into the first first week of December. But uh, you're talking about this time period now with the CBA. You're talking about how long it already took you to get a general manager in place and the effect it had on Noah Syndergaard. Is it imperative for the Mets to go through this process fairly quickly? Um, and you've heard, I mean, besides, we talked a little bit about Buck Showalter, Brad Osmus is a guy that Billy Epler hired in Anaheim. So his name comes up. Joe Espada mm-hmm. is a guy who has interviewed for several managerial positions. He's been with the Astros yep. the last few years and has a history of Billy Epler. So as these, you know, is it imperative to get through some of these interviews quickly and get to a, a manager fairly soon? Yeah, no, I think I think it's uh, yeah of the utmost importance. I think you hit it on the head. I think it's it's got to be Billy's you know first order of business, and uh, I'm I'm sure he has probably touched base with some of the names that you've mentioned already. He's very uh, he's been tight with Osmus. Of course, he hired him out there. Uh, 
Spada is another name that you mentioned. We've talked about Buck before, but and there are other guys too that I'm sure he wants to talk to. But I, I think it's imperative that you have a structure in place and try to get a coaching staff in, in place as well, uh, because there are many other issues that you have to address. Uh, you know, Michael Conforto is a free agent. Is he yeah, are you going to extend an offer to him? Is he going to come back? Is he going to go elsewhere? Uh, how does your outfield uh, set up if there is no Conforto out there? What do you do about third base? Uh, Robinson Cano is coming back. All right. What are you going to do there? Is there a DH? Right. Uh, how, does, how does that all work? I mean, there there's a myriad of questions uh, for for Billy Epler and uh, you know, listen, he's got a full plate. Uh, so he's got to hit the ground running, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, I, I but I, I do think that, you know, that's to get your structure in place and your order, as far as your everyday, uh, you know, kind of uh, goings on with the ball club and a manager is very important in that because he's the guy, he's going to be the point man for you. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, The man who used to be the manager for the Mets is now going to wear a Yankee uniform. Luis Rojas was announced this week as third base coach for the Yankees on Aaron Boone's staff. They had a mutual friendship you know over the last couple of years seeing each other at subway series games but you know, Rojas had mentioned when he spoke to us a couple of days ago that Aaron Boone was the first person who reached out to him when he got hired as the Mets manager kind of welcomed welcomed him into the job and I, I find it kind of funny that these are two guys who are steeped in generational baseball you know with uh, Rojas with the Alou family and Boone with his family um, this is it's an interesting pairing Having Rojas join the Yankees and having you know and having another major league manager, a guy with major league managing experience on the staff, which Aaron Boone did not have over the course of his first four years. Luis Rojas is one of the finest people that I've ever met. Honestly, uh, an easy to talk to guy. I've known him for a long time in the Met organization when he was a minor league manager, and of course he was on the staff as a uh, as kind of a, uh, a liaison uh, with the analytics moving in uh, to baseball so much uh, between the players and the front office before he became manager. Anybody you talked to on the minor league level who had him as a manager loved him, uh, and it's hard not to love uh, Luis Rojas. 
It's a great, to me, it's a great opportunity for him. I don't think Aaron Boone is threatened at all by having a former manager for a couple of years, a guy that he went toe to toe with in the subway series, but it's also, it, it's a great uh, situation for Luis Rojas because it keeps him very visible. He's the third base coach of the New York Yankees. Uh, I think he will be a good manager in baseball. Uh, obviously those opportunities will come up after each season, I'm assuming, and he can interview for those jobs. And I think the Yankees would be, you know, more than happy to, you know, see him interview and, and, uh, you know, move himself forward and get back to where he probably wants to be. But uh, I, I think he's uh, going to be a great addition uh, to the Yankees uh, organization. And uh, I think any organization that has Luis Rojas in it is a better organization. He's that, that's how highly I think of him. He's also going to be the outfield instructor. So that helps fill part of the role that Reggie Willits left. Reggie Willits left uh, professional baseball to go work in college closer to his home in Oklahoma. And uh, so that helps fill part of that. The Yankees are still looking for a first base coach and hitting coaches. Uh, the uh, Marlins hired uh, Marcus Timms as their hitting coach. Uh, yep. so he's not out of work long, landed on his feet well, I think, as we all pretty much expected. Marcus has a very good reputation in this game as well. As the Yankees move on to other business, Eddie, it's free agent season, it's trade season, and I don't know how it's going to be affected by this December 1st or 2nd deadline, uh, but they've got some roster things to, you know, they've, they've got roster decisions about who to protect, so moving guys off the 40-man roster in trades is probably a pretty, um, uh, something that's, that's pretty significant to happen quickly here and perhaps that sees itself pay, uh, play out as the Yankees pursue Matt Olson as the A's have signaled that you know they're um, uh, willing to let some of these guys go Olson would be a pretty good fit here um, better than I think Matt Chapman who's also on the block and you know mm -hmm. Chapman's a guy that you think about maybe for the Mets but the A's are open for business I think Matt Olson makes a lot of sense here and potentially is in play for the Yankees as they look to fill the spot, which Luke Voigt is still on the roster, but they've made it known that he's available in a trade. And Anthony Rizzo is a free agent after spending a couple of years, a couple of months here with the Yankees this season. Well, I, I think your your owner made it pretty clear that uh, there'll probably be a free agent shortstop coming your way. Yeah. Uh, you know, who, exactly who that is, we don't know, but maybe he gave some hints in that regard. But, uh, you know, the names that are being bandied about either one of them, uh, I guess, and I, I probably Seeger and Korea have been the, the two most prevalent, but uh, nonetheless, uh, that I, I think that's a good way to go. And you can speak to this probably a little bit better. The balance of the lineup, that's always been a question with the Yankees. And, you know, you mentioned Olsen. I, that's, uh, you know, a, a, a good place to start, obviously. But I, I think getting a balance in that lineup for the Yankees uh, is probably something that would make Aaron Boone very happy and probably make you a much better baseball team, too. Olsen and let's say Seeger, you know, adding left-handed bat yep. really uh, uh, impacts the balance of a lineup like that. If Aaron Hicks comes back healthy as a switch hitter, uh, I still think they need to address center field, not just, you know, not just count on Hicks being the starting center fielder on opening day after missing almost all this past season. And Starling Marte is available, a guy that they've eyed up. He bats from the right side. But even if, you know, just let's say Olsen and Seager, they, they dramatically impact the balance of that lineup. And, you know, Brian Cashman has been asked about that a few times. And, you know, he's kind of, it hasn't been by design that they've been all right-handed. It's just that, you know, you look at a player like DJ LeMahieu or Gio Urshela, and you have them available and they are good players and they happen to be right-handed. And that mm -hmm. impacts, you know, you can't necessarily what they didn't want to do is take a lesser player than DJ LeMahieu simply because he batted left-handed as opposed to right-handed. Well, now you're in a situation where you have some left-handed bats available 
and can make you better. And I, here's the, the thing that kind of dropped into my head, Eddie, and I'm curious what you think about this. You know, a, a lot of, you know, you have 19 meetings a year against the Tampa Bay Rays who have a lot of these right-handed relievers they can throw at you. Uh, and it impacts the way your season goes. And even in a playoff series, as we saw against the Rays as well. The other sport analogies that I kind of come up with here, you know, it's, it's not unusual in other sports to see a team built specifically for a matchup against another opponent. And when I think about this, you would remember this very well. Um, the Pistons beat themselves, uh, built themselves to beat the Celtics in the mm-hmm. And the Bulls built themselves to beat the Pistons. They went sp- for a specific matchup that they knew was coming down the road. And as the Yankees have seen themselves beaten by the Tampa Bay Rays in the playoffs and the regular season because of this righty-righty matchup, it makes some sense to build yourself specifically for this matchup. And it's not just looking ahead to the postseason because, as I mentioned, 19 times a year you're matching up against a Rays team that goes to its bullpen early and often. So you have the ability to control that part of a matchup. And even in football, I remember seeing it. You know, remember in the 90s when the Cowboys and 49ers would almost take turns building roster moves to match up against each other. You know, Deion Sanders is going to land somewhere specifically for a matchup against one of those uh, one of those teams. It's mm-hmm. harder to do in baseball, but I feel like that's something that you have to address now and have the ability to get a few more left-handed bats in there, impact left-handed bats, not just left-handed bats, and better build your balance for a specific matchup, whether it's against Tampa Bay or against Boston, your own division, you got to be able to navigate through the East and through that division and a better balanced lineup helps you do that. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. Uh, you know, you bring a, <laughs> it's, it struck a memory with me because uh, I remember Lambeer and Mahorn, McFilthy and McNasty as Johnny <laughs> most used to uh, describe the two of them. Uh, but that you, you're absolutely right. It was a matchup that the, uh, that they got together to uh, to defeat the more physical Celtics at the uh, at the time, uh, but you know it, it, it's a great point. You do have to get through your division to get yourself to the playoffs. Tampa Bay has blunted them how many times, uh, numerous times, and has caused all kinds of havoc, uh, you know, within the division. So yeah, no, I, I I think it's an excellent point. I think you're right. Uh, you can draw from those analogies, but it, it does make an awful lot of sense that uh, you you know you've got to get through your own division to get yourself to the playoffs and then worry about things later but uh, it's always good to strike a balance and I think that's one thing that's been a little bit out of whack with the Yankees uh you know maybe not by design it just ha- happens that way and uh like you mentioned with uh, LeMay you're not going to turn down DJ LeMay just because he's a right-handed hitter he's a terrific player okay but uh when you have a chance to balance things out you do obviously now when you've made a decision about getting say a shortstop and uh, you know, moving somebody else, uh, you, you've got to do that. And I think that's, uh, it's a great opportunity for them. I wonder where, you know, you have some perspective on this too, because of where the Mets just came from. Uh, the Yankees have two very highly rated shortstops in their system who are probably within the next two years going to be able to touch the majors. And it's Anthony Volpe and Oswald Peraza. Um, the track that these guys appear to be on by 2023 they are major league caliber players and maybe sooner. Um, the Mets were in a situation where they traded for Francisco Lindor and got rid of a couple of quality, you know, quality young shortstop prospects to be able to do that. And they made that decision going forward here. Um, 
you know, how hard is that, do you think, for a team to say, listen, you've got guys who you think will be major league quality players, but you have to take a chance on a known at a high price level because you're at a certain point with the rest of your roster to have to push forward for more of a known quantity. Now, Francisco Lindor didn't live up to expectations first year, but you obviously see the talent and the potential there. And, and you, what you hope is a brighter future uh, for the next several years here. Um, what did you make of the decision the Mets had to make, given what they had to give up and what they had in their system as, as a shortstop at, at shortstop? Yeah, that, it, it's an interesting problem. And it's, I, I think it's a problem that every team has at some point in time. The Mets have Ronnie Mauricio, who they love. Uh, and is probably, you know, he's a shortstop. Uh, he's a guy that's pretty close to the majors as well. Uh, but I think he's also going to be playing an awful lot of second base uh, as well, because I think Lindor is here. You're going to be able to switch him over there. They also have another guy named Brett Beatty, who uh, is going to be a terrific player and may solve their third base problem, maybe not next year, but it's going to solve their third base problem eventually. But I think every team has to run across that. And you have to think about being versatile, and try to get as many versatile players as you can. That's why Chris Bryant, to me, is uh, is such a gem that's out there in the free agent market this year. He's a guy that can play not only the infield, but all the outfield positions as well. And, you know, he's probably a better corner guy, but, you know, he's played some center field too. So, you know, having a guy like that in your lineup, uh, to me, you know, is just invaluable. But I think it's a, it's a decision that every team has to make. And, and it is a difficult one because it, you have to – you know, first go through the process of can this guy make the switch and will he be the same kind of player when he does that? Uh, I think you have to look at, at the overall, you know, offensive capabilities of somebody and then figure out whether defensively he can handle that position switch. But I think it's a, you know, it, it's obviously something that I think every club goes through, but it's a very important decision too that you have to make ahead of time to make sure there's room for these people as they come along. Yeah, and listen, the Yankees, are, I, I have not heard Yankees personnel, or even people, really mostly Yankees personnel, but there are people around the game who really like Anthony Volpe too. But I haven't heard people talk about a prospect in this organization in a long time, the way they talk about Anthony Volpe, everything he can bring from a, just from a physical game standpoint, but you know, from the character standpoint that you always value so highly when you're talking about players coming up, uh, that's something that I haven't heard people talk about a, another Yankees prospect the way they talk about Volpe. So I'd be hard pressed to believe they're going to give up on him. Um, and it's not even so matter much of blocking him you know, understanding positional flexibility. I think that's a, that's a conversation that if you're going to go after Corey Seager or Carlos Correa, I think those are conversations you have to have right out of the gate saying, listen, we see at some point you moving to third base. We see at some point you having to be part of this because we have a lot of talent and doesn't mean it's happening tomorrow, but we want to have this conversation now before we sign you to a seven or eight or 10 year deal and give you a lot of money. Um, Those are guys I don't think, you know, we talk about how the pitchers have been moving and might move quickly. I don't think those guys are moving anytime soon before we figure out the CBA. That's just the way I, I, I kind of see it right now. I don't know if you feel different. Yeah, no, I, I kind of feel that way too. I, I don't know who the first guy is going to be to drop uh, in, in the shortstop market. There are obviously several guys out there. Uh, it, it, it's interesting to me with, uh, with Baez because uh, Baez impressed a lot of people in the Mets organization. There's a lot to there's a lot to like and there's a lot to dislike about Javier Baez. Uh, he did make an effort 
to uh, become more amenable to being a more patient hitter. Uh, but is that something that goes away after he signs a five or six year deal? I don't know. I, that, that, that's a great question because he's, he's very much an instinctual player and he, but he's very much a, a lightning rod. You know, he, uh, I watched Javier Baez, uh, you know, blow up games for the Mets, but I also saw him win games all by himself. Um, and I know Sandy Alderson, uh, he may not be making the ultimate decision uh, now that Billy Epler is here, but uh, you know, Javier Baez is an intriguing guy uh, to me, you know, and, and where does he fit into the equation uh, for the Mets? They don't need a shortstop, but, you know, he can play second base. So uh, that, that whole market uh, with Correa and Sager and Story, uh, it's, it's interesting. But I, I, th- I think it might be slow. As, but uh, when the first one drops, I think the rest will drop fairly quickly, I think. Marcus Simeon, part of that mix, too. And that's yeah, another exactly. interesting name. Uh, listen, we've gone on a little bit longer than we normally do, mostly because it's been a little while since we spoke. Yeah, and there's been a lot of things happening. So I hope people appreciate that we, we spent a little bit extra time here. The next ones will be shorter because, you know, hopefully we'll have more things to talk about and do a little bit more often over the course of the winter and get people going. Eddie, it's always great to, well, I get to see you. It's always great for, to hear you. And um, thanks, for, uh, thanks for jumping on here. And I will... Uh, I will wish you a happy Thanksgiving and hope to talk to you again very soon. Uh, and I hope that uh, we don't have a work stoppage about a week after Thanksgiving or so. But Sweeney, always good to talk to you. Thanks, man. That'll be fun. He's Ed Coleman. I'm Sweeney Murdy. This is WFAN's Baseball Insiders. Subscribe, review, and all that jazz. Until next time, thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 